it's like a desert and a tropical rainforest fucked. It's really strange. <laughs> I'm just going to have that be a cold open out of context. <laughs> just, I, whatever. That's can, what. That's. <laughs> That's yeah. my, my definition of Hawaii for now. Well, hello and welcome to Romancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What's up? Watch Rob Cops and then record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing on this Saturday morning? I am I am fucking falling apart. I <laughs> I don't think there was a single day this week that I didn't wake up sore in some part of my body. And like, <laughs> just spent the whole week limping around my apartment, and like, I, I, I had softball. I started. I joined a softball league for the first time yeah. in two years. First time doing fucking anything physical in two years. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, my body is is not warming up to it very quickly. Um, but it, it's been fun. So I was sore from that for a few days, and then. Um, I think I tweaked something. I don't know. I took, oh yeah, I tweaked my knee randomly. I don't even know how it happened. It was like the day after softball. I just, like middle of the day, just all of a sudden started hurting and I'm like, okay, cool. And then, uh, then finally like Wednesday, everything had healed up enough that I was like, you know what? I'm feeling like I need to get outside. So I was like, I'm going to go for a jog. Middle, middle of the fucking jog. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just keep going for five and a half fucking miles out of nowhere. I haven't run in like months and I'm just like, yeah, five and a half is totally okay. Next day. Like I wasn't even like even later that day I was sore, like, <laughs> like getting into bed that night. I was like, Ooh, Ooh, that's a little tight. Oh, this isn't going to be good tomorrow morning. Yeah. We've entered the phase of our lives where we like whenever we heard our parents say, "Listen to your body," like <laughs> in working out, like we we actually have to listen to our bodies now. Oh God, you heard that too? Yeah, oh, my mom okay. always said that. Yeah, was like listen to your body, like this and that and the other, and it's like I'm 25. My metabolism, like I'm gonna live forever. Now, yeah, it's like I'm 33. I must stretch before walking to the restroom right now. Um, <laughs> Seriously, like I get up from like sitting at my desk for half an hour and walk to the bathroom, and one of my knees is tight. Ooh, ooh, yeah, I got it. Like first couple steps, I gotta like you know hunch over and tight and step you know stretch it out a little bit. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> There's a- <laughs> <laughs> there's a flaw in the system <laughs> like, like how are we not evolutionarily past this shit yet <laughs> i know seriously 
I think yeah, the, I think the pandemic set us back a few, like five, ten well, years. Yeah, uh, definitely. But I still I want the LeBron James million dollar healthcare regime <laughs> that he does. Well, yeah, we really should have that anyway. But <laughs> I know, but you know, I mean, and it's not like we even like have to do things that are like labor intensive, like cutting wood in order to put it into a fireplace yeah which they, which they do and did you hear about the morgans which is what we watched this week oh yeah i forgot we watched something yeah uh, um, <laughs> uh this is a, a max choice um just wanted to be known this was a max choice you always gotta I'm do kidding. that you gotta <laughs> dog i'm 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 feeding you shit like i've i've chosen plenty of shit i had such high expectations for sarah jessica parker you know i'm such a massive fan <laughs> you're of her. such a massive fan of sarah jessica parker i mean she <laughs> she wasn't horrible at failure to lunch i will say that about her she was passable yes yeah, she wasn't. That movie, more and more, <laughs> Failure to Launch is. It's looking more pretty more good now, stand, yeah. Standing out as a beacon of <laughs> surprise. Like, maybe the most surprising movie we've watched of our entire <laughs> the run so far of just it's, like. It's certainly up there, yeah. Yeah, it, it's. It, yeah, anyway. Um, That's surprising. Let's, let's talk about the Morgans here. Um, Wait, did you hear about them? <laughs> I did. Uh, I don't think we heard about them the whole fucking movie. So, how I mean, technically we met we were talking or watching the Fosters because when they went into uh the oh, right. protection program, they changed their last name to the Fosters. Uh Yeah, so why wouldn't it have been named that? Did you, um, Did you hear about the Fosters? Uh like maybe sneak in anyway. Getting ahead of myself. So, did you hear about the Morgans? Is a 2009 American romantic comedy thriller film directed and written by Mark Lawrence. So it's it was written and directed by the same person. This is a always, singular vision. Always, yeah, always, always, a always a red flag. But this was a singular vision of a person. A person decided that this is how they wanted their film to be. They had a lot more say in this than anyone else gets with filmmaking <laughs> and this is what they came up with <laughs> i just want everyone to know this and when we get to the budget of the film i want you to remember that one person <laughs> had pretty much all the creative say so and the budget that they did and this is what the fuck they came up with anyway <laughs> mark lawrence direct this film uh, Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker portrayed the film's protagonists, if you can call them that, Paul and Meryl Morgan, a recently separated New York power couple on the verge of divorce until they witness the murder of Meryl's client. They are forced to enter into temporary witness protection, given new identities, and relocated to a small Wyoming town, which is the fictional Ray, Wyoming, 45 minutes out of Cody, Wyoming, which is not fictional. It's actually real. Uh, and the supporting roles are played by Fucking Sam Elliott. <laughs> the supporting roles are played by Sam Elliott, Mary Steenburgen, Elizabeth Moss, and Wilfred Brimley. It is the second collaboration of Grant and Parker following the 1996 film Extreme Measures. Never heard of that film. 
That I have heard of, but I don't, I can't recall any detail about it. The film premiered in New York uh, on December 14th and in London the following day. And then it was released world or uh, released in the United States on December eighteenth. Um, and uh, okay, quick question. Um, yes, I I know we talked about like the the um, uh, Jesus, what is it? The Chinese theater in yes. L.A. briefly. Yeah, before the Chinese Man Theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is there is there a significance to where like what city a movie premieres in just whatever city that they chose for it okay but it doesn't like go down in record as some sort of i don't know special thing right it just goes down as the city that they premiered it in okay because i'm remembering you know we've 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 pretty much always said that for a movie. Like when you're reading that stuff off, that always comes up like yeah. where it premieres, and then it premieres yeah, everywhere else later, kind of thing. I mean, they basically they're premiering when they premiere a film, especially rom coms of like you know this time frame, like a decade ago or two decades ago or even three decades ago. The idea was to just get as much media coverage as possible. Like, oh hey this star and this star was seen on a red carpet and it's just like so they get all the tabloids and everyone else like saying you know oh here's pictures of so and so they were at the premiere of such and such film and it's like so then it's just a piece of marketing oh that's right I, I i forget that the um the premiere also always holds like the ceremony the red carpet and everything like yeah so like the premiere yeah, so the if it premieres in New York on December fourteenth, it's being released December eighteenth. So now you have pictures of Hugh Grant and Jerry Jessica Parker right. and people that comes out like the Friday of the movie being released. So like, or maybe even Thursday, like on grocery stores, like you see pictures from three days ago of Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker on a red carpet for their premiere of the movie. Did you hear about the Morgans? Oh shit. I didn't know they were in a movie called, did you hear about the Morgans? Right. I'm just looking at this and the waiting to buy my groceries. And so, Hey, there's something to go see this weekend. Huh. That's All why the premiere. clever scheming, man. God, it's intricate. Yeah. Yeah. The scheming is the word. Um, anyway, anyway, yes. Uh, Continue us on. I'm just going to read the entire plot here in Wikipedia because it's four quote unquote paragraphs. Um, I mean, you did, and, you did the synopsis pretty much summed it up. Yeah. I mean, I just, I want to read the plot because there's, there's we're going to tear may, it apart. There may be, there may be some of our tens and tens of listeners that are just listening to the podcast and haven't seen the movie. And I want to save them their time. <laughs> this this may be giving away my verdict for the film, <laughs> but I want to just give you the plot so you know what happens in this movie. I, I think that's fair. I think that's it. fair. Yeah, let's let's do that. So, um, and also just to rehash it in our brains because we watched it last night and then we decided to record in the morning. We did, yes. Um, so it it also can refresh us and everything else and then we'll start and then we'll guess like 
uh, like the budget and everything else and get into the Rotten Tomatoes. So, okay. Uh, but the plot, a successful Manhattan couple, lawyer Paul Morgan, played by Hugh Grant, and estate agent, uh, real estate agent, not estate agent. Jesus, Wikipedia. Like estate agent <laughs> makes it sound like I mean, she's just like handling wills. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know. Obviously, the effort for the Wikipedia entry is equal yeah. to the effort of the yeah, movie. To the effort of the movie, yeah. Uh, and real estate agent Meryl Morgan, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, are separated due to Paul's infidelity. Jesus. So like, after dinner. Oh God. Okay. Never mind. I'll 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 stop. Yeah. <laughs> Save your comments. We've got a podcast to record after this. Uh, like after dinner one night. Meryl and Paul witness the murder of one of Meryl's real estate clients. As a result, they become targets of contract killer Vincent, played by Michael Kelly, and must enter the witness protection program. Paul and Meryl are relocated to the small town of Ray, Wyoming, and placed temporarily under the protection of husband and wife, sheriff and deputy Clay and Emma Wheeler, played by Sam Elliott and Mary Steenbergen. Fucking smoking ass Mary Steenbergen. Anyway. <laughs> For their own safety, they are permitted no outside contact via telephone or email. They have trouble adjusting to small town life, but after a perilous encounter with a bear and awkward attempts at shooting rifles, chopping wood, and horseback riding, they eventually adjust and begin assisting the local citizens professionally. Oh my god, this was so bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, neither of their assistants back in New York City know their whereabouts. Vincent plants a bug at Meryl's office, and in her assistant Jackie's, Elizabeth Moss's, or Elizabeth Moss, uh, but her assistant Jackie's purse, uh, hoping to gain information, which is eventually successful. Uh, Jackie attempts to call Meryl, but Paul's assistant, Adam, played by Jesse Liebman, stops her by kissing her, which she responds by tasering him <laughs> and apologizing and offering him to take her on a date the next day. That was like the best part of the movie. <laughs> Paul and Meryl go on a date in town to begin to reconcile, but then Paul is heartbroken when he learns that Meryl had a one night stand with one of their acquaintances during their separation. I don't even think that was an acquaintance. He didn't even know the guy's name. Larry. He, yeah, he knew. Well, she told him it was Larry, but he made fun of the name. So I don't even know how that was an acquaintance. If he didn't even know the guy, like if you heard the name, like, I feel like if you knew a Larry, even as an acquaintance, he would have been like, Larry. You know, like you, you mean Larry, Larry from like the grocery yeah. store counter? Yeah, Larry, the fuck face on the, the floor above us. <laughs> Larry with the skin tag on his neck. That Larry guy? the plumber. <laughs> Suddenly, Larry... Hugh Grant has a Brooklyn accent. <laughs> you fucked Larry Bird, <laughs> the all time. <laughs> NBA great with the bad back. I climbed that tree. <laughs> you fucked the hick from French Lick. All right. Um, <laughs> How did we get, how did we get here? Uh, because, because that's why. Um, <laughs> reasons. Um, anyway, the next day was Vincent in town, unbeknownst to them. 
The Morgans anticipate leaving Ray for a permanent hiding place. The Wheelers invite them to a rodeo, which is set on May 17th, which is the day that this episode's being released. Yeah! Uh, how about that? <laughs> how did we do that? Because we're fucking magic. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, they're invited to the rodeo, but the Morgans are at are at loggerheads, so they decline. What? Who, what? Loggerheads? What? What's Who longer? wrote this Wikipedia entry? <laughs> the wheelers invite them to the rodeo, but the Morgans are at loggerheads, so they decline. It's just obviously someone British had to have written that. Are at loggerheads. Is loggerheads like the the bar that they were at when they started having their no, fight? No, no, they're saying like they're basically at an impasse slash like that. That has to be it because they were at the home. They were because they got left at the what home. Is, what does loggerheads mean? Yeah, L O G. Yeah, L O G G E R H E A D S. Loggerheads. Oh, one that word. Has to be, yes. Loggerheads. That has, has to be UK slang for like stubborn, like impasse. Uh, a reddish brown turtle with a very large head. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one better. <laughs> um, I, it's a. It's a town in the UK, so oh, you might be onto something. Um, here we go, here we go, Merriam-Webster. <gasps> what? What does it say? At loggerheads. Here we go. At loggerheads, in or into a state of quarrelsome disagreement. There you go. That's gotta be. That's gotta be like old English or something. I've never yeah. heard of that in my life. Me either. Me either. No, uh, come uh, on, Merriam-Webster. Don't just sit here and act like this is normal. Put some context <laughs> to it. <laughs> well, we learned something new today. All right, at at loggerheads. Okay. Yes. It means you're. Yeah, at a disagreement. Uh, wow. All yeah. Right. Yeah. In a state of disagreement with someone. All right. Wow. So they declined. Um, and so leaving the Morgans without any form of security because we'll get into that. Oh, my God. Um, the Wheelers leave for the rodeo. Vincent tries to attack the house, but is accosted by a bear, which gives the Morgans time to escape. They flee on horseback to the rodeo to seek help. Vincent follows them to the rodeo. They spot him and hide in a bull suit. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it made very little, like it made more sense in the movie, but just yeah. the just yeah. a tiny bit more than what it sounds like from reading it. it to be clear, uh, it's, it's the bull suit that the like rodeo clowns use to distract the, the bull. So like they get inside of the bull suit. Yeah. During the rodeo. So like that, okay, yeah. now calamity will ensue. Well, I think it was more of like a mascot suit because it was at the dance the night before. 
Dear God, was it? That's when they first saw it, yeah. There was a dance? Yes, that's where she told him about sleeping with Oh, else. right, and that's when I was like, oh my God, pick another fucking moment. Okay, anyway, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, however, they end up in the ring with a bull, which then cha- charges them, injuring Meryl. Meryl is unable to walk and stays hidden from Vincent while Paul impulsively confronts him with a canister of bear mace, <laughs> which Paul accidentally sprays himself in the face with, <laughs> which alerts Vincent, who then holds Paul at gunpoint. But the Morgans are rescued by the Wheelers and all their new friends from the town. Oh, yeah. In a very, you know, I'm Spartacus moment. <laughs> um, six months later, Jackie and Adam are in a committed relationship. That's the assistance. Uh, while Paul and Meryl have repaired their marriage. And they've also adopted a baby girl from China. We don't know what country. We just know that they're Asian. The baby's Asian. This Wikipedia is taking a leap of faith there. <laughs> um, um, and they just, they don't know what to name the baby until they think about the town uh... that they were just in. Ray, Wyoming, and they decide to name the baby Ray after that Wyoming town. And after, oh, after I, the I location did... of their PTSD on top of PTSD. Yeah. And then this line is also added to the Wikipedia. I did not catch this because I was already checked out, but I guess Meryl is pregnant with their biological child as well. Oh, maybe that's the after credits that I couldn't find. That might be, yeah. Because I missed that too. There's no way they said, unless unless they mentioned it in dialogue and we were like talking over it. Which is definitely possible because we checked out. We checked out about 15 minutes into the film. Yeah. Um, So that's the plot of the film. Uh, And we missed one thing. We missed one thing, potentially. Which was the the pregnancy thing. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we talked over the whole thing and we missed one thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So after re- reading all that, like hearing all that, everything, uh, the running time of the film is 103 minutes, uh, by the way. What is the budget for the film? I hope no more than $15 million. God damn it. Why are they playing loud music now? At, like, I can't hear anything. What are you hearing? Just there's like a car outside with like just blaring music. I can hear or I can feel the bass. Oh. Like. I don't know. Oh, I do hear a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever. If it's we right. keep talking, then they'll hear our voices instead of the music. Whatever. Yeah. It's just like and tuning if you, out. And if movie. you don't, oh well, enjoy the sounds of Chicago, guys. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, so you said 15 million. Mm-hmm. There is a five in it. No. $58 million no. to make this film. No. $58 million. No. $58 million. Here's what's up. If you're going to somehow no. get 
like Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker's names in 2009 still held cachet, especially Sarah Jessica Parker because she was riding the Sex in the City wave. Okay, like she still yeah, had, but it's 2009. Hugh Grant was not relevant anymore. He, he like his name could garner attention for a rom com, but like 58 put, million worth, really. Well, here's the thing. Now you've got these two names and you say, okay, I've got this movie idea. I wrote, I wrote it. I want to direct it, but it's set in Wyoming. I'm not doing that for less than 10 million. <laughs> like, like I'm sure both actors were just like, I'm not going to Wyoming for a month for less than this. Uh, oh, probably. Yeah. And so <laughs> like, and then on top of that, they got Sam Elliott and Mary Sturtenbergen who also are, you know, legit actors and, you know, supporting actors that were well cast for this. So I'm sure just those four actors in and of itself, you're already looking at like more than half of that budget. And then on top of that, you're out in like, like it's not cheap to be out to, to have to film out in that country. And then on top of all of that, there's also the New York scenes. So you still have to, film new york as well which is which we know is an expensive usually expensive for the budget yeah but did, did how they have, the fuck do they have a lot of outdoor new york scenes or was it mostly indoor i mean they had a, a few outdoor new york scenes i mean granted it could have been a soundstage but i i don't think they would have bothered with that because they ended up back in new york right yes but also, it looked like they were they green screened the the skyline. And that like that yeah, when they're looking out the window at the baby, it was mm-hmm. definitely green screened. Green screened. But so, <laughs> but how do you how do you spend fifty eight million dollars on this and not have a how? better script? <laughs> you just, like, well, because he can't, because he can't afford any other writers. It's two thousand. <laughs> yeah, really. He doesn't want any other writers. It, yeah. It's it's two thousand nine. Like that was the peak of a lot of good rom coms we've watched. Like that's that's like no strings attached era. <laughs> like yeah, there were some good movies that came out with some good humor, humorful plot lines. Well, New Strings Attached was the best written one of them because it was Elizabeth Merriweather who, you know, went on to write New Girl. Um, Friends yeah. with Benefits. Friends with Benefits also was came out that year. Yep. If that wasn't necessarily a well-written comedy. That could have uh, been better. Yeah. It could have been a lot better. Uh, and yeah. it, 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 had a, it had a Justin Timberlake problem in that <laughs> Justin Timberlake was in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> um, but <laughs> Poor yeah, uh, Justin Timberlake he's he's basically Ugh. he's been a he's got B minus talent and somehow has parlayed that into a fortune. Um anyway, how much did it make in the box office? Oh god. Okay, 58 million I'm gonna say seventy-five million. Yeah, worldwide it made eighty-five point three million dollars. Yeah. 
So does it? Should. I mean, t- it, like it came out as a fucking it, like a, a week before Christmas too. So this was like prime movie going time, and they're just like, hey, we want to cr- provide an alternative to all the other movies out there. And like you can go watch Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker be out in Wyoming. And it's just like, it's obvious what this is. And this is just a money grab from all the, like the, like all the mm-hmm. Midwestern mobs who don't want to go see like the other films and just want to go see Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker be cute together out in the country. It really was a money grab. It's like, look at the two, look at the two names we got. Don't you want to come see them be together? I mean, the amount of see them be together. Come on. The amount of effort they put into the goddamn title should be the hint. Yeah. Nothing had anything to do with the title. Like, did you hear about the Morgans? Makes me think that like they moved, like, especially reading the synopsis, which I did when I chose it, like, it made me think like, okay, they get re- relocated to a small town under witness protection. And then slowly their secret creeps out throughout the town, you know, like that kind of thing. And yeah. suddenly they're in peril again. That's that sort of thing. Like, and that tests their relationship at the same time. It, it had nothing to do with that. Yeah. We, we knew the Morgans for literally the first 15 minutes and then they changed their name to what was it? The Fosters. The Fosters. For the whole movie. They were the Fosters. Well, let's start there. They're in witness protection. But they kept their first names. You know, I think that's not uncommon, actually, in witness protection. I think depending on the severity of what you witness... You can keep your first name. The thing that you answer by, you can keep in witness protection? Yeah, because it's like, it's easier to keep a cover when it's your instinctual name, like your first name, but you're not necessarily used to being called by your last name. So that's easy to change. But I think the theory is like, it's easier to keep up the facade I just feel like if this killer was walking down, like if the if like the rodeo was at, if they like showed up at the dance part, like the little fair part the night before, and the killer showed up in the dark, and he just goes, "Hey, Meryl," just says, "Hey, Meryl." He finds out her her first name from the article that they in the New York right. magazine, which is how they found her in the first fucking place. So if he just literally says out like. He doesn't know where she is, but he knows there's a group of rods and that might be one of them. And he's like walking behind her, just goes, hey, Meryl. She's not going to like just stop and turn yeah. around. Like that's that's a flaw in the witness protection program well, to have a name that's easily recognized by the fucking people who are trying to kill that person. Yeah, that's true. Well, on the other, the, the flip side of that, though, is like... And who have already found her. Like, what They've if, already found her and found her apartment and shot bullets at her. Well, How do you not change your fucking name? There's the flaw. There's the flaw in it. They fucking assume that the guy's not going to be able to trace them to Wyoming. That's the flaw. 
because they assume that he, they're relatively safe by taking them way out the fuck in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. And then it's like, okay, yeah. as long as we do that, like that's 99% of the way there. And all we need to do the rest of the way is like give them a new life and change their last names and shit like that. That's the mistake. And then assuming that they're going to magically like obey the rules of the Marshall's household, like no phones because we got a, we got a code for it, but Hey, we're going to ride off to the rodeo during the climax and leave you two alone. Like, I mean, not only that, but also just taking her to the hospital for the bear maze thing. Oh yeah. And leave and letting them go out of there. Yeah. And then leaving her unsupervised for the bear maze thing. Uh, on top of why why like with the bear mace thing i feel like yeah you can go to the doctor's office but you prob as u.s marshals especially when you're protecting these people i'm sure they probably could have figured out some sort of home remedy as opposed to taking them to a doctor's office i mean the movie itself is contrived as fuck. I get it. You're just trying to create it and move the plot forward right. and all this and that and everything else, blah, blah, blah. But blah, you're blah. right. You would think a small but, town would have, like, they'd have a, a home remedy for that shit. Like, they're used to yeah, that. Yeah, it's just like, especially oh, you in know, like, yeah, oh, I've, I've, you know, accidentally hit myself with a splash of mace before. <laughs> I, you know, this sucks, but here's some, like, lemon water or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They but, would like, do, they would have that. So, though. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> like, you know, it helps urine. Here's some urine. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm going to go grab this empty water bottle. <laughs> like, you know, whatever the fuck. Like, yeah, that, something out. that I actually could see being in this movie. Like, yeah. Let me. Oh, we're going to have the joke of him having to piss on this guy's face. Like, yeah. Like, like, that's like literally it's just it's just Hugh Grant literally pouring piss out of a <laughs> bottle like this <laughs> into his eyes. <laughs> It's a whole lot funnier than, and then on top, just yeah, yeah. On, on top of that, I also wish like somehow Elizabeth Moss was in on it, like instead of being the, you know, unbeknownst to her, like accomplice to this, she almost kills her boss by yeah, yeah. by by insisting on reaching out to her to run the company. Be, it's just like I. It's just how, how, <laughs> right there. That's it. That's all you need to ask. Just how, how for everything in this. Just how. On top of the fact that when, <laughs> like within, as I yelled to you during the movie, Sarah Jessica Parker was just like, "No, I've had bagels at, at other places." Like I can't. I'm a New Yorker. I can't just leave New York and everything else when they tell her to leave. This is within a and like and then she gets to Wyoming and then she's like tossing and turning because she has to tell Paul that there's just no chance of reconciliation for their the marriage. And I'm thinking to myself, in a 27 hour period, you went from giving a speech at a breast cancer like. Uh, charity event to witnessing the murder of someone you had a professional relationship with and then almost being shot by the person who murdered that person 
and having to uproot your life mm-hmm. with very little to no like Notice. warning and go to Wyoming where you cannot make a phone call or go on the internet and all you have are DVDs of John Wayne and Clint Eastwood movies. And your thought in, is to be like, Paul, I don't think we're going to get back together. No, I'm going through PTSD over what the fuck just happened in my life. Like, I'm crying. I'm crying. You're, yeah. Like, what's going on? What's happening? How the fuck? How the fuck is this? It's just, what? <laughs> and the most we get just... from her is, like you said, tossing and turning. She gets up, looks forlorningly out the window. Yeah. Holy and it's shit, just... what is happening right now? There's, like, a fleet of helicopters flying by the lakefront. And one of them looks military and it does not look very stable it is like it was like nose diving for a minute it was fucking terrifying looking jesus okay there's like four helicopters just flew by someone might have fallen in the lake but military they didn't look police someone someone Important military <laughs> fell in the lake. Sorry, uh, it scared the shit out of me. I just, I'm. It was like right out my window, right in front of me. This helicopter is like literally like very close to the the shoreline, and it just like fucking started nose diving. And I'm just like, what am I about to witness? A fucking crash right here. It was weird. It was really weird. Yeah. Anyway, um, and so. This isn't the first time that the movie uses in a like this is a, a a theme with the movie that it uses very inappropriate times to then fall into a romantic comedy trope where it's just like let's yeah. take this horrible murder storyline and almost dying and having to like climb on the window of a 16th floor apartment building in order to escape death let's use that as the foundation to the reconciliation of your marriage like i i could see that setting up as a potential plot device but if they go a completely different direction with it and make it a little bit more of a serious segment of the movie where like suddenly they've witnessed this horrific thing together and now they have a you know a, granted it's a, a bad experience but an experience a shared experience nonetheless that they need to learn how to cope with yes and so they help each other through it and like it creates a bond and then you know other truth starts coming out from their past they learn how to cope with that then like that sort of thing yeah, i guess it wouldn't be a comedy anymore but it sure as shit be a lot more realistic and interesting of a relationship i mean well I will give them something for a realistic relationship. The infidelity thing. Not the infidelity, the infertility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The infertility, which then leads to the distance between them, which then leads to infidelity, was very real. (laughs) Like, that part was just like, this all makes complete sense as as to what happened here. Of course, it's handled poorly. But it, it it does make sense and, and everything else like that. It's just that Hugh Grant just wants to like 
and completely ignore it and just create punchlines and just his like whole Hugh Grant does. Is, yeah, his, like they just they literally took like Hugh Grant's essence and were just like we just like <laughs> like it was it's like Hugh Grant is a whole meal at his best. And this movie was just like, no, no, no. We just want the mashed potatoes of your meal. Like, we just want <laughs> that one side of you that that's really good alongside everything else. We just want that piece. And then everything else will just leave alone. But no, no, this is a whole meal. Like, it all complements each other. And like, everything. Yeah. No, 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 no. We just need that one thing. And we just want you to keep feeding us that one thing. It's like if you, you wanted. Real quickly. It's like if you wanted just the pancakes and not the eggs and bacon. Darn, yeah, the fucking biscuits and gravy that was served. At the, oh my god! Uh, I know I was very high when I and hungry when I watched that, but my god, that breakfast looked incredible in the movie. That's yeah. the that was the shining star of the movie was it just really that was. shot. Um, but uh, and then in like going back to using things that are inappropriate to then create a rom-com trope. Then after their quote unquote date, when they're driving the doctor's truck and she asked about the infidelity and asked why her, what, why this indistinct, I guess the other lady was a lawyer that he fucked I in guess. LA. Yeah. That that's about all that's said about her. Not even a name. Yeah. Not even a previous relationship. He says very little to nothing about the lady. And then he uses, he parlays that into then saying, but no one's ever been as sexy or exciting as you. Oh my God. And then the movie, the music, the music turns into a happy like music as if it's a romantic moment. It's, it's like, no, it's like, it's, yeah, it's cutesy, like, um, it, <laughs> like, like affection like it's like it's like an awe moment like oh they're making up it's like that kind of music like yeah like we're supposed to get teary-eyed with joy now and it's like no what the fuck how are you this is not a romantic moment stop telling us it's a romantic moment literally having a discussion about like the infidelity like it's a very it's a very toxic discussion whenever you're talking with someone about the person that they fucked and while in a relationship with you and to find out about their qualities because you're obviously comparing yourself to them and want to know what the hell and why. And it's just like, this is not the opening to reconciliation that you think it is. It's just, <laughs> and then and then it's ridiculous and then we find out that she slept with someone too and while they were separated while they were separated and then we find out that she's infertile or at least we think she is apparently she's not according apparently to she's Jesus. not yeah uh, um and Tov, i guess like i don't know part of me it, like if this was i don't know if this was structured differently and this was a couple worth rooting for, maybe a couple more relatable that isn't like a fucking power couple. Um, then 
you know, I, I, I wouldn't say this, but to me, those are all signs that the universe is telling you, you should not be together. <laughs> like, yeah, just stop. Yeah. For all of our sakes and give us back our hour and a half, please. <laughs> and, <laughs> it, it's just ridiculous like that they thought that that was the that was the movie it, it's it's such a fuckboy way of going about it where you know like oh i i know you know i know like it was, i just i was just fucking that other girl but i don't love her yeah you're the one the, i care about the way they just, so casually brush over that like he's just gonna make light of it and like oh but it's in the past let's just joke about it now and it's like no it, you can't play this off like it's a little thing i've said it i've said this before in a previous podcast but it reminds me of a kanye west line from a sean legend song um from john legend's debut album where Kanye West talks about his penis as if it's its own being. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, he says, my heart ain't got nothing to do with my penis. He got a mind of his own. And he, like, and I don't be saying shit. I try to jack off. He tell me who is he playing with? But I know he love you. He, I, I know he love you. He tell me you is his favorite. What the fuck? That's a that's a Kanye West like, like rap. That's <laughs> like, that's that's the hip hop version of Hugh Grant in this movie. This hundred percent yes. That's why I brought it up. You like that's how Hugh Grant is. It's just like I, I fucked a girl, but I didn't really like it, and he, like I he was, just tried. I did to... it, be, and I did it because I was sad about you not, like about us not being able to get pregnant. Sorry, bitch. God, like, yeah, that too. Like. The more we find out about them, the less I root for them over the course of the movie. It's like, you know, like you guys have made so many poor decisions on top of each other. Like, yeah, like it's not just like he cheated on you. Like, that's already a huge fucking flaw. Like, that's a big roadblock. Like, I'm sure there are exceptions, but more often than not that is that's a killer yes yeah. relationship dead forever and then we find out more on top of that like why he supposedly cheated and then she found out that he was unfaithful so then she sleeps with someone he accuses her of revenge sex now it then then she, the infertility thing. It's just like, you guys, none of this was ever handled correctly. You, this was never, there's nothing here worth saving. Like, it's just a series of poor decisions. It's not even like bad decisions. It's just wrong decisions that they make. Yeah. Like calling the adoption agency while in witness protection why would that be your call? Like, why would that be your call? Or like, like, that's the one call you make. Or like, you're you're sitting here talking about how much you want to be a mother and how ready you are to have a kid. 
And literally the, the only thing on your mind the whole time is sacrificing and jeopardizing your own life in order to contact your office back in New York. I mean, technically she called the adoption agency instead of her office. And when she had a chance to make a call, but still, but still like, you're still like even better. Like it even furthers the point, like instead of calling your office, like you'd been talking about the whole fucking movie up to that point, you call the adoption agency. So what's on your brain? Motherhood. First thing you think, let's jeopardize everyone's fucking safety. Yeah. That's real motherly. You're ready. There you go. <laughs> uh, my goodness um sam elliott's voice is in this film and that that's fantastic that's the bright star uh, that's sam we appreciate elliott that mary steenbergen is in this film she's jesus as pleasant as ever oh my god she's and <laughs> max was very had a very big crush on her and mm. her ability to shoot mm. and be outdoorsy mm. God damn, yeah. She looked good in those <laughs> jeans, too. Chopping that wood. Oh, my God. The wood chopping scene. Yeah. Anyway. And then Wilford Brimley was in there. Oh, with yeah. His dia- with his diabetes. 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 Uh, I remember him. Did you ever see The Natural, that baseball movie? No. He's he's in that. I remember him from that. I had that movie in my childhood and so i remember his voice and so when he was on the diabetes commercials <laughs> i can't even say diabetes correctly because of it it's gotta be diabetes yeah i'm like diabetes <laughs> so when i saw him on there i always laughed it was extra funny anyway but uh let's go to the kiss of the film the kiss of the film is when they say they look up out the stars and look how they shine for you and all the things that you do. And they were all yellow. Uh, <laughs> 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 they're all yellow. <laughs> I drew a line. I drew a line for you. Anyway, that's a great song. Uh, it is. That whole album's fantastic. I still love that album. If you I'll if, you, about if it. you haven't gone through a Coldplay phase, you haven't lived. I mean, Coldplay, I feel like got overrated and they're fa- they're falling back to underrated. As they should. They were they were best when they were underrated. Like that's Yeah. Yeah, early on they were underrated and then everyone just like all of a sudden was just like, oh, this is the next great rock band. And it's yeah. like, ah. No, they were good for like how, all the how feels about, and shit. <laughs> yeah, how about they just make some nice songs that I like listening to? Yeah. And that's all they have to be. And then, and then, yeah. It, and then it became everything where like Fix You was literally played everywhere. Just, oh, ah. God. Um, and also Clocks. I that piano riff oh yeah it, that piano riff was so it like it like there was nothing like that piano riff and it was a catchy piano riff but it was also an it annoying piano riff very quickly. overplayed like if you heard someone play that for the first time without ever hearing it before you would think oh this is cool and then by the third time they played that piano riff in a row 
then you would have been like, yo, shut the fuck up, dog. <laughs> like, and like, is there anything else in the piano riff? I I vividly <laughs> remember sudden, that song tied to like driving on a highway in Vegas with my brother. And I think it was the year it was popular on the radio because it was, I remember it playing more than once. And we're just literally driving yeah. in the desert heat with the windows down, like going 70 miles an hour on the interstate that loops around Vegas. Yeah. And like that song is playing and I'm just like, that's forever ingrained in my memory. I think that was like, eighth grade yeah i uh and i don't think i stopped well, hearing it until like the end of high yeah. school for fuck's sake <laughs> right is that when yeah it, a russian it? blood of the head i think was like sophomore year because uh, i think it was oh three um i think parachutes came out in oh two was it high school yeah Google says 2002, so that would have been. That would have been eighth to ninth. Oh yeah, grade. so that yeah. that would have been the summer before ninth grade. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, so I think it was. Yeah. I must have gone to see my brother like the summer that summer between eighth and ninth grade. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but kiss of the film. Yeah. The Morgans are look up at the stars. They recite their vows to each other again. And you may kiss the bride. You may kiss the bride. Yeah, that was that was cute. Which she says three times, and then he figures it out the third time, and then they they exchange a kiss finally. But he asks, like, would it be weird? And she she says, "I'm wavering, honestly." And then he's uh, like, "All right, shit." Are, are you, <laughs> then he yeah, jumps are you in. sure? Yeah. It's odd because it's like rooted in reality and and, and unreality all at the same time. Like the, <laughs> yeah. the you may kiss the bride is like a very cutesy line that just like who the fuck says that at that time. But at the same time, looking up at the stars and letting that be this romantic thing that makes you reminisce about your your vows as a married estranged married couple, that seems very real. Um, yeah, you know, the are you sure thing seems very real. There's aspects of this that are nice, and then there's aspects of it that are just like too cutesy for me. I, I'm i gonna give it a C plus myself. I, I just, I can't give it more than a C plus. I can't give anything of this film more than like a C plus. Even if it's like, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah. Um, well, the now that I think about it more, I'm going to give it a solid B. I think, I think it was solid. I think it was actually one of the better moments of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. The more well thought through, the more, uh, or the better scripted, the better everything. It was a, a a high quality moment in the movie of low quality moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had some real chemistry to it. Like you said, the, the dynamic between them in that scene is very real. It's based in reality. I mean, neither of us have experienced marriage or divorce, so I guess we can't say yeah. for sure, but that like first, first hand, right. But what we've witnessed for sure yeah. 
um, I can extrapolate. And yeah, it, it, I mean, the, the tension and the uncertainty, I mean, all of that, I mean, I would imagine feeling that even from a breakup, you know, of a long-term relationship of any sort. So, um, what the hell is going on in the background? Yeah. So the male, um, when they delivered the male person doesn't drive in a truck for on my street. They actually oh, with have a little a cart. hand cart. Yeah. 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 So, wow. That was loud. At least on my end, it was. It probably won't even show up on the recording. Uh, it, it will. <laughs> <laughs> Everything shows up on, on this side. But anyway, it's this. It's the sounds of Chicago. Sounds of Chicago, supposed, which is where, which yeah, is supposedly where the Fosters are from. They're supposed to be from Chicago. Yeah, like they should have stayed there. First, you keep your first names and say you're from Chicago instead of keeping your real names and being from New York, which is what you really are. It's just like, yeah, it's too close to what you really are. You idiots. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Um, so yeah, solid B. You give it a solid B. All okay. Right. Um, the helicopter. What happened? Back. And they're like going down farther. They're like nose diving into the park now. What the fuck is happening? And now they're swooping back up. What are they doing? They literally look like condors, like coming down, swooping close to the like the park, and then coming back up. It's really fucking creeping me out. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's been that's been your traffic report with Max. <laughs> Come back, come back at at the five and five, and Max will have another traffic report for Air you. Air traffic report. Air traffic report. In my back. control tower here. <laughs> uh, um, uh, <laughs> you are not cleared for landing. What happens after ever after? I think this is my darkest one. Okay. They both die. <laughs> Jesus. here's why (laughs) they're trying to find the one killer that they saw who they said works for a like a arms dealer boss like this was a hit yeah put out yeah on this guy and so it's the hitman who then was trying to kill them and it's just like so like the hitman could not have been working alone to try to kill these witnesses. No. Cause he, that's going to tie back to the original. He was, like, he boss. was talking to someone on the phone. Remember so, more yes. than once. I think he, well, he, he was talking to him and he doesn't outright mention that someone saw him. So obviously the hitman right. is trying to clean this up on his own. Like that's the inclination so that they're maybe, trying to put. Yeah, but so, so like you're trying, so this is supposed to be the the loose end, quote unquote. But even At if he gets time, even if he gets caught, like the boss is going to look into it, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Now this hitman all of a sudden is arrested shortly after he completed that job, and now like that original job is on trial, and it's just like that original boss is going to try to get revenge on the Mel- or on the Morgans is, is my my what happens after ever after 
this isn't over. <laughs> like you, you've angered a, a criminal. Let's make a sequel. <laughs> like you've angered a criminal. He's probably just going to, you know, finish you off because you know too much. Yeah. And just kill any loose ends. So I don't think they they're long for this earth that they're going to stay in New York. They should have bought that house in Wyoming. Oh, like but I the, said the kids now, though. I mean, the one was already adopted. The mental issues were already going to be there. I mean, Jeez. at the end, at the end, he like fucking Paul is making a joke about how they had to get a new apartment because she had slept with Larry in the oh old apartment. Oh my God. And it's like, they're already guilt tripping about the infidelity. Yeah. And also why, why is he bringing up infidelity when he was the one who fucking went there first? And she doesn't even return fire. No. It's like, so, so what have they learned? Like, what kind so what's of, changed? What, kind of, what has changed? What kind of, what kind of patriarchy bullshit is that writing as well? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's pretty funny. Oh, it, oh, bring up the woman's infidelity. Like, which wasn't even infidelity because they were separated. Yep. Anyway, I kill this film. I fucking kill it. I'd get Vincent in here to fucking kill it. Is kill it is officially on our shit list. I'd get Vincent in here to fucking kill this movie. Yes. It's horrible. I hated it. It was awful. Um, it was really bad. And speaking of hating it, one thing we I I unintentionally saved until the end. What is the Rotten Tomato score oh. for this film? Oh, please let it be low. Um, 10%. Unfortunately, it is 12%. Oh. Which means it is 1% higher than the wedding date. What in the flying fuck? I don't understand. How is the wedding date 11%? I will never understand. I don't understand that. That is such bullshit. Fuck you. That I is, might rewatch the wedding date today. There's absolutely no way you could possibly split it up to make the wedding date worse than this movie. There's no Agreed. way. Agreed. Uh, the Curtis consensus, uh, it gets a certain amount of mileage out of the inherent likability of its stars, but with an unfunny script and a lack of on-screen chemistry, did you hear about the Morgans falls flat? Uh, according to critic reviews, um, falling flat implies that it had to be at a higher height at one point. <laughs> the this is um, this is the most positive review that they have for this film on the first page. Uh, David Newsall from Real Film Reviews wrote a meandering and thoroughly conventional rom-com that relies mostly on the charm of its stars to keep it afloat. It was a 2.5 out of 4. Wow, that's a very, very <laughs> diplomatic way to put it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rich Clyde of uh, Shadows on the Wall, whatever that blog is or the fuck, uh, despite a breezy premise, this rom-com displays lazy filmmaking at almost every level of production. <laughs> um, God damn. And 
Michael DeKina of themoviereport.com gave it a zero out of four and wrote <laughs> to end to end my assessment on the level of the film's writing. So this is his assessment of the film to the level of the film's writing. He wrote, you'll wish you never heard about the Morgans. Uh, <laughs> it's just like uh, that shitty joke. Uh, is at the level of the film's writing. That's, that's a solid, that's solid job. Perfect. There. Actually, um, I'm glad you saved those to the end. Those, that was a good yes, way to... This is, this is fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that probably should have ended there with that one, but we're going to keep going because these are fun to read. Uh, Dan Nicola of the Daily Gazette in Schenectady, New York, wrote, Did you hear about the Morgans is a ship without a rudder, floating and then sinking from the moment it touches water. It is so hopelessly inept that you feel like a big bad bully picking on it. <laughs> Yeah, it's there's never a point where I'm rooting for them. It's more of just like, well, I'm not, I, I can't root against them because they have so many problems. So, like, I just feel bad for them, but I'm not going to actively root for them. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I think, I think they've summed it up pretty damn well. Like, just, yeah, it's. It, I don't think it's worth wasting any more time on this thing. <laughs> Simon Reynolds of Digital Spy. Well, and <laughs> we got two. I'll do two more here. All right. <laughs> Maybe three more. Um, this one is. A hellish rom-com bereft of chuckles and charm. A good screwball comedy should have laughs, heart, sexiness, rapid-fire banter, and most importantly, chemistry between its two leads. Did you hear about the Morgans? Has not one of these things. Uh, like, a hundred million percent, yes. <laughs> That's literally, like, yes. Spot on, exactly verbatim what I would say. Yes. Uh, James Benefield of Little White Lies, uh, considered a top critic, wrote, The cinematic equivalent of throwing buckets of money at a house with no foundation. The <laughs> worst thing is, and sadly for cinema, this house shows no sign of falling down anytime soon. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, and then Wendy Eyed of the Times in the UK, uh, she wrote, Perhaps this new decade could be the one in which female audiences are treated as something other than a dumping ground for the lazy, complacent idiocy that has passed for chick flicks of late. Is it a chick flick? Written, that was written back in 2010. So, Wow. What, this is considered a chick flick, yes. Anyway. It's just bad. So, anyway. So that's that on that, y'all. Um, you can find our socials uh, on Instagram at uh, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. That's all one word together, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, on Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. I didn't even bother live tweeting this one because I, was, I wasn't going to try to figure out a hashtag for this bullshit. So, Bro the Stone Pod. H A M. Yeah, it was like, I'm not, uh, no, nope. 
that's too much effort and I wasn't going to figure it out. Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, at bro, the stone pod. And then on Twitter, you can find me um, at supermarket sweep without the E in super. So S U P R market sweep. And then on Instagram at relusa 88, that's R E L U S A eight eight. And then max, on Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted with a period, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D, and on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore instead of a period. There you go. And then next week, my choice. We're going with the movie I've said we're going with a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, it's finally time to finally. watch Sleeping with Other People. I love this film. It's a film I've seen many a time. It, I remember when the trailer came out. Um, I was it was I was living back in Oregon um, when the trailer came out, and I was immediately like that. That's a that's a Renee film. That's a that's a film that Renee watches. Yeah. And then it finally did come out, um, and it came out like right toward the by tail the tail end of me living in Oregon and moving mm. out to Chicago. So like 2015 so slash 2016. Um, and, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of memories with it. It's a movie that stars Jason Sudeikis and Allison Brie and their absolute primes. It's also got fantastic supporting roles from Jason Manzukis. Um, and, uh, what is her name? Uh, Andrea Savage. So, Yes, huh. it's going to be fantastic. And supposedly, I've seen this before. Yes, I mean, I like it was back when at the Barry apartment, and it's because I had it on a hard drive, and so I was going to watch it, and then you just oh. sat and watched it with me. Oh wow! But, yeah, it was it was a ways back then. Yeah. I rode my oh. bike, but I rode a bike, not my bike, a divvy bike past that apartment two days, two days ago. Yeah. Two days ago for the first huh. time in like years. And I, I didn't even mean <laughs> to, I like, I was going down Sheridan and I turned left on Barry. I didn't even know it was Barry. I was just like turning on one of the side streets yeah. and yeah. I picked it and I was like, God damn one way streets going the wrong direction. And I'm going down. I'm like, this street looks familiar. And then I was like, wait a fucking minute, Barry. And, then I, <laughs> and I, I see my building and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I think about that street, even though I only like lived on that street for a month and you only lived there for a little bit longer before you're finally moving. I was only there for a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, man, that was so long ago, but yet not that long ago. Anyhow, yeah, wow. I mean, a lot of shit has wow. happened since then. A lot of life, a lot of life. A lot of life has happened since then. A lot of life has happened. We've definitely grown a lot as individuals, yeah. that's for sure, since then. Well, to the tens and tens of listeners, we wish you more life. Yes. And come back next week when we actually watch a good movie. <laughs> Until then, love y'all. We'll catch you. Love, Peace out. Love you guys.